0: Welcome to Epicenter, the show which talks about the technologies, projects, and people driving decentralization and the blockchain revolution. I'm Felix, and I'm here with Mihai Roy. Today, we're speaking with Marko Bericevic, who is the product lead of the Cosmos SDK. The Cosmos SDK is a framework to build application-specific blockchains in the Cosmos ecosystem. Hi, Marko, and welcome to Epicenter.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's definitely an honor being on the show that I've been listening to for so many years.
0: Yeah, we're, we're super glad to have you as like such a long-term contributor to, to the Cosmos ecosystem and and beyond. So, yeah, we're very excited to hear today about the Cosmos ecosystem. But as usual, we get started a little bit with your background in, in crypto and how, how you got started and what brought you to where you are today.
1: Yeah, um, I had a bit of a different uh, entrance into crypto. Actually, like during the 2017 ICO boom, a bunch of friends of mine were making a bunch of money. And before that, I read about Bitcoin, but never got uh, fully into it. They were making a bunch of money. And for some reason, for me, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go make a bunch of money. I was like, I want to learn how this stuff works and why it is, why it is decentralized. And around that time is when I started to I really dive deep into learning how to code. And then soon after that, I joined an enterprise blockchain company. And that was a lot of fun. Um, we were using Quorum. Um, from JP Morgan and writing a lot of smart contracts, writing a lot of tooling around that, um, had a couple of fun like projects. It was uh, I find that consultancies are a lot like hackathons. Like every two three months, you have to develop a product, and they just give you the specs of the product, and you just have to write code. So it was a lot of fun, learned a lot, and then I ran across um, a like one of the senior engineers at the enterprise consultancy. Showed me a video of Ethan Buckman and Jake Kwan talking about the Tendermint and the Cosmos SDK at a Bitcoin meetup in like SF. And I just remember becoming so enamored by it. And I was just like, uh, I don't care where in the world this is. I just want to work with these people. And then uh, a couple months later, I found out that they're actually, they they have a team based in Berlin. And so I applied. And then it took a bit of persistence. And four months later, I joined. all in Bits or Tendermint Inc. And the rest is history. I started out as developer relations engineer um, and worked as an engineer on Tendermint for two years and then came back up to the Cosmos SDK.
0: Right, yeah, awesome. So this is like you getting started. What what year is this?
1: Uh, I joined uh, 2019, so like two months after the Hub launch. After the Cosmos Hub launch.
0: And then I guess, yeah, now you're... You've like familiarized yourself with Tendermint and you started to work on the Cosmos SDK, which we're here to talk about today. And maybe for the listeners, right, like you can explain a little bit on a very high level what the Cosmos SDK is and maybe how it has moved through the history, since I think it's right. It's probably like the most integral part of Cosmos ecosystem in, in some way, right? So it really helps to get some context.
1: The Cosmos SDK, like Tendermint, has had a few teams um, working on it. The Cosmos I think, were on the third team. So initially it was written by the team at All In Bits, which included um, uh, Alex, Bez, Rigel, uh, Aditya, Dave, Sunny, um, Jack, Samplin, Saki, like they were all involved. Um, but back then it was a lot different than it is today. Like it was kind of uh, all, all there was back then was forking Bitcoin, forking Geth, and then early days of Substrate, and the cosmos sdk and that was really it there wasn't much out there in the ecosystem so there wasn't much um user feedback uh and then when uh cosmos went through what we describe as like gore 2020 the great organizational restructuring we kind of like shifted and and moved into a new team region network and they became the sole owners and maintainers of the cosmos sdk and they led it for about two to three years and then uh, i came in to kind of Uh, Like the Cosmos SDK has this thing of it's very hard to hire a project manager because you get burnt out really fast because you have to deal with an entire ecosystem of people complaining, people asking for features, people wanting different designs. And it's just constantly like a feedback loop now, better more so than it was before. But not only that is you have to also keep up with what's going on in the block in the wider blockchain ecosystem. So it's like a certain balance to strike. And there's a few people that attempted and then kind of just gave up. Um, it was just too much work and too much overhead and uh, too, mu- too much craziness. Um, I like to attribute my like not being able to be burnt out to Zucky and Jack just because uh, they also just like, constantly work. And so I learned that from them. But uh, yeah, so came into the Cosmos SDK, started leading it alongside region. Um, and then this year, uh, the entire like, maintenance pr- of the Cosmos SDK shifted to a new entity, um, Binary Builders. Um, which the core focus of that entity is the Cosmos SDK and the builders program, the Entertain Builders Program.
0: So I guess maybe we can, you know, get into like what is what is the Cosmos SDK as well. So right, I guess most people are familiar with the notion of the, like smart contracts, right? And Ethereum and you're building your application and you're building a smart contract. Now the Cosmos SDK is essentially the first or like one of the first like frameworks to build application specific blockchains and um that's become like much more popular nowadays uh this sort of paradigm which we'll also get into but i guess at, at the start maybe we can just dive into why why is that right bryce what's the benefit over having your own cosmos chain in this case over like just writing a smart contract
1: so i mean there there's always this like dilemma of uh the the single computer to rule the world um, where we all have to share computation versus like um Hat- owning your own computation and then maybe posting data on this one world computer and so the app chain vision um, came from the need that hey like we uh, well first of all the cosmos SDK kind of came from like hey we're building the cosmos sub and we we have this vision of app chains and what better is it to like develop a software development kit um, an SDK to allow people to build app chains and This became, this was kind of like the early on vision and the Cosmos SDK. Okay, now you can control your own computation. You can do a lot more things than uh, you could in the Ethereum space or in other spaces because you control, uh, you have a lot more granular control over your gas, your computation, and over your logic as well. And so this really fed into oh, like we can really develop what we want and not be limited and this is like when we had the like cosmos summer um i believe it was like last summer or two summers ago Then we saw a lot of application specific chains coming up uh to cosmos and kind of like really honing in on specific use cases for the application blockchain then i i would say like people started discovering that like hey it's actually a lot harder to get product market fit because everyone like in crypto we have this like craze of like vcs come in there's a lot of money you launch a token okay now you have runway now you ha- you have x amount of years to figure out your product market fit and a lot of people were kind of like going with that And i think not only in cosmos but in the wider ecosystem and then it all of a sudden shifted to like okay now we have to go now i, I believe that we are going into a world where we have to have uh, pmf before you launch your chain otherwise it's just going to be kind of an empty chain no blocks and so on but today it's like a, the SDK really, like the sole purpose that out by default it is able to do is like a application blockchain, um, application specific blockchain. And for this, like everyone thinks that Cosmos SDK is like, this is all you can do, but we are kind of like shifting into the rollup space. And it's like kind of a, like, why would we want to like shift away from blockchains into the rollup space? Well, it's like if you look at deploying a smart contract, like a smart contract is an amazing way to really go to market really fast and search for your product market fit. And it's very easy. You can deploy in different ecosystems. You can partner with these ecosystems and so on. And then like if we put that on a scale of zero through 10, let's say smart contracts are the easiest. It's like a zero. Um, you can deploy it same day, launch your, launch your product, and you don't have to worry about inflation, validators, and so on. And let's say deploying your own blockchain is like eight to ten, because you have to now control a binary. You have to control your validator set. You have to work with them. You have to claim centralization. um, You have to work through governance and all these things. It is very difficult. It's not a easy endeavor to take on. And we have been fortunate enough that a lot of people in Cosmos have taken this endeavor on and learned, and we've been able to take that knowledge and give it to newcomers. But the problem is like what is that in between um, and that in between um, i'm kind of coming to the conclusion that it's kind of the roll-up so you have like the two four six eight of the roll-ups um from decentralized uh to shared sequencing to uh to decentralized sequencing and that kind of like fills up so it's like now all of a sudden it's, like you deploy a smart contract you're gaining a bit more adoption but you don't know if you want to invest all this money into developing your own chain and um doing a whole migration so let's do a centralized roll up if if you don't need the decentralization part and then you start wanting to expand your product then you go into the decentralized sequencing and then all of a sudden you're like okay wait actually like uh we are seeing that we're paying a lot of fees um to these different protocols for data availability and settlement now it's time that like okay maybe we own this for ourselves because our token may have a lot of value a large market cap and so then let's go to our own chain um, and so I'm kind of seeing that as um, the direction that people are starting to go. And I think DYDX is kind of the perfect example of that.
2: That's really interesting. Do you think that if the future customer journey is is going to look more like DYDX, started off in a smart contract on Ethereum, then went to an L2 or a roll-up, in this case, StartNet, and then the third step? To come in a couple of months, maybe is their own Cosmos chain. Do you think there's a there's a risk that the Cosmos SDK is developing the application chain development framework? But it doesn't really have like a roll-up development framework and ecosystem today that by default people will go and develop in the their roll-ups with the Ethereum stack and then Jumping from a roller working on the Ethereum stack to Cosmos SDK will just prove so much of a big software development challenge that nobody will actually go into the Cosmos SDK stack in the future at all, but rather some other stack will. Yeah,
1: so will in know. in this sense, we are like shifting um, a bit. So the idea, so working very closely with the Rollkit team um, from Celestia and teams like Dimension. Um, and the goal there is that in the ideal world. So now we're doing some uh, refactors of the core layer. Uh, in an ideal world, the user will potentially, like, let's say, a user develops a smart contract on Ethereum. Now they want to uh, set, still settle and do DA on Ethereum. They can use Rollkit with SDK, let's say, with Polaris or Ethermint, um, and then they just migrate their contracts. They have the same UX. That the users don't know there's a difference and then in the future the goal is that they can swap bullkit kit out for comet or a different consensus engine and then the actual state machine will be able to stay the same and so this is kind of the direction we're going with the user journey we're trying to create and so um yeah we're working uh, we were just talking before before the call but um we were just talking about fraud proofs and validity proofs and how like cosmos um plans to take advantage uh, uh, enter into that world um, and so we're working quite closely with the Celestia and the Rollkit team in order to really dive into fraud proofs first of all um, and then later on validity proofs.
0: That's super awesome and I think we're going to go much back into it. I think maybe we can take it a step back also because most people that listen to this probably don't really have a good view of like how the Cosmos SDK is structured so maybe we can talk a little bit about you know like one of the core concepts in my view right in, in the cosmos sdk is this idea of the modules right you have like these sort of swappable features that you can kind of plug in to your chain or you build a new module that that kind of can be used by the rest of the cosmos sdk ecosystem so can you talk a little bit about that what sort of modules are there more on this
1: switching builds so like the, the SDK and the, the direction that we've been um, trying to articulate it to users and new users coming in is it is a separation between the kernel space and the user space. And when I say the kernel space, this is like where the modules live. Um, and so the thing why we consider it the kernel space is because you can handle a lot more computation at this level. The GAS um, functionality is a lot more freeing and it's not limiting like you would have in a virtual machine. And so uh, some of the modules are like staking, governance, bank, some like uh, authorization um, modules. Uh, you have slashing, um, minting, distribution, kind of like these basic things. And these things um, they do and they do go by themselves in terms of like, uh, they don't need external intervention to in order to like mint a bunch of tokens and everything, so they do handle a bit more computation. Um, and so when users come to the Cosmos SDK, it's like, hey, like a lot of users are using um, VMs and we're totally fine with that. And we encourage people to use VMs, especially if they're going into the permissionless environment um, that they just want users to deploy like uh, Juno and Evmos um, and others. But like the kernel space is really where the application has the most performance, but also has the ability to do a lot more computation or the functionality they maybe want to do from the VM. So maybe the VM calls into the the user space. So the VM calls into the kernel space, the modules, um, and then they are able to do a lot more, a lot more things there.
0: So, uh, what can you like expand on? Like what some of these things might be? I think like some of the things that that like a VM would be limited by.
1: So, like w- within a VM, it's like you are. Um, gas metered um so you do consume gas on every pump, on every functionality, uh, functionality all the functionality all the business logic um and so you and you don't want users to do a lot because it is a it is potentially a permissionless environment and so allowing people to have kind of unlimited computation is a, a dos vector and so within the modules um within the kernel space like that's more of uh, the application developer needs to um, it, they need to propose an upgrade, uh, and then the upgrade needs to be adopted by validators, and so it's a lot more of a involved process. And so here, the computation is only around I/O, um, around the uh, disk. And so once you're doing computation, like uh, let's say if you're doing some proving capabilities, um, or if you're doing some bridging technology within a vm you have to do gas metering on the actual computation of the proving of the hashing and so on while within the cosmos sdk within the kernel space that is a lot more freeing and so you can do it and then that won't affect your entire um, block gas consumption um, and a lot of people may think that like oh this is a dot specter but if it does end up in some sort of chain of the chain slowing down then it is actually the uh, application chain it was application developers fault because they did this premeditated um, computation in their chain before and it wasn't like an end user just like causing this a lot causing this amount of computation to slow down the chain
0: right i think one example here actually i guess is sort of this reward distribution on osmosis right where it actually like we have these epochs and then at the boundary you need to compute a lot how where the lp rewards go to and this for example can slow down the
1: chain just so we have an example exactly like uh the interesting thing there is uh, so th- there is like this thing in in the cosmos sdk called begin block and end block and what these really signify is at the beginning of every lock uh, beginning of every block before the computation uh, before the uh, state machine executes the transactions what computation do you want to run before that and then an end block does the same thing just after the execution of the transactions and so within this like in the osmosis case they are doing a lot of computation for the LPS of uh, the pools and so that is like causing a lot of um causing the chain the state machine to kind of slow down a bit uh, and but this is known it's like as more users come in it's just like um I think it's maybe like 10 minutes or less now that the chain kind of just like stops everyone's doing computation and then once everyone's done with computation it continues as normal
2: is it correct to think of of it like this that when you look at ethereum in ethereum so with any chain there's kind of like core logic that you need to run the chain itself and then there is kind of customizable logic that people can put for their own use case, and the chain goes live, which are like smart contracts. In Ethereum, Ethereum has this philosophy that so when you think of like the core logic you need to run any chain, where well, maybe like an example is kind of like the staking, this staking system, right? Um, how how do validators get spun up? How does the chain get spun up? How do validators get torn down? How does slashing happen? How does the uh, native token of the chain, in the case of Ethereum, it's an Ether. In the case of Osmos, is the Osmo token. Um, how is that represented? What is the code that kind of handles that token? So there are all of these kind of like core functions, the native token, uh, staking, slashing, maybe something around governance that any chain needs. And then there are kind of customizable pieces where... When you launch the chain in the first uh, first time, you have the core functionality. You don't even know what kind of customizable functionality the market is going to demand. So you want a way by which people can put their customizable logic on the chain. And that's in the form of smart contracts everywhere. In Ethereum, kind of the philosophy is that the Ethereum developers want to put all of this core logic of the blockchain as smart contract. So in Ethereum, like the staking is handled as a staking smart contract. So when you are actually staking on Ethereum, you are sending a transaction into an Ethereum smart contract, written in Solidity, audited in, audited in that language, and and then staking is a core functionality of the chain, but it is handled as a as a smart contract. So Ethereum makes that an explicit choice that Even the core function, like more and more of the core functionality of the chain should be written as smart contracts and go in that direction in the future. Whereas in the Cosmos SDK, the kind of philosophy is let's separate out the two. So there is, let's call one thing like the kernel space where the assumption is that this will handle core functionality of the smart contract. What does it mean when staking, slashing, native token, bridging to other chains, maybe in the future generating zero-knowledge proofs, maybe producing hash functions, producing hashes. These are core things that the chain needs. Let's keep this in a kernel module. Uh, Let's kind of enable the developer of the chain to be able to sort of optimize these core modules for for their use case. And then on each of these Cosmos chains, there can be also the customizable side, which is a VM that's running on the chain. And the VM can be of, three or four different designs and sort of like the VM becomes kind of like this user space and the VM and the core can seamlessly interact with each other. And it's kind of like a almost like a philosophical difference on 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 how to do development between sort of Ethereum and the Cosmos ecosystem.
1: Yeah, I, I'd say like the the biggest difference is like the Cosmos SDK is is a software development kit, less of so a framework. And so, um, while we think that it's like it's very uh, powerful to write things in native code, and so you don't have this like uh, performance potential overhead uh, bottleneck um, of writing it in the VM and the smart contract layer that. Um, like that, that doesn't need to be done by everyone. And there are users of the Cosmos SDK who do write core functionality within VMs, and then just pass it down to the pass it down to the SDK. And so we do. the The goal of the SDK is to be less opinionated than other frameworks. So it's like, hey, like this is the Ethereum way. You can do it that way if you want. Like if you pull uh, Ethermint or Polaris into it, you can write everything in Solidity. You can take the same code from Ethereum and put it in call staking functions all you need to do is like return like the validator set update and stuff like that you can do that all from the vm it just you're going to have some performance overhead instead of just doing your with native code um but yeah it's uh i'd say like the that's the key differentiator that and i really love like honing in on that just because um everyone does think of kind of like same thing with like ibc sdk and like comet um, they are all are like uh, SDKs and less so frameworks. Um, and if they're not today, then like they're all going in the direction of more of an SDK than a framework or um, an easier term like a library. So people can compose their application without being forced to do it the single way.
0: Right, so really it's like more flexible and not dictating so much how to do it. Do you foresee like some of the teams or like someone else to build like a more opinion editing framework on top of the sort of more flexible Cosmos SDK. So like maybe people could reuse, you know, what Ethermin, how they build their chain and they, that's like another sort of framework on top of the core flexible
1: Cosmos SDK. Exactly. So the, the, the downside of this approach is that it becomes, it has the potential to become like a multi, many levels of frameworks, many levels of libraries. Um, that people compose and so like I'm um, talking with Polaris and Ethermint, they have this like EVM on top and they're both going in um, drastically different approaches um, Polaris is kind of like a, they're developing a separate process that is kind of like a library that can be plugged into many different frameworks um, or many different SDKs. Ethermint is a bit more tightly coupled to the SDK but they still have things that you can add on um, features, plugins and stuff like that. And so that is like a, a downside. That it's like once you once you go too modular, then people people generally don't know which direction to go because it's too freeing. And this is, is this definitely is something that I've like seen um, with other SDKs and frameworks in the blockchain ecosystem. That it's like they're so unopinionated that it becomes harder to use because it's harder to find examples, um, just because everyone does it so differently. Um, and so we're trying to be mindful of that. When we're doing, when we're kind of reshaping the Cosmos SDK in order to take advantage of um, these new worlds that are emerging, like rollups.
2: Maybe before we go into rollups, like we could go into, you know, in your experience, what have been the unique selling points of the Cosmos SDK, and what are kind of like some of the success stories it has had in the in the past?
1: The Cosmos SDK has, um, because it's been around for so long, it. It does have a wide range of users so um the binance chain uh, the bnb chain is used with the, is built with cosmos sdk the new greenfield project from binance is also using the cosmos sdk there's going to be celestia um dydx um wormhole um kind of the, the list is kind of ongoing and there's a lot of users that we also don't know about we have a lot of enterprise users that kind of um hide that they're enterprise and come and ask questions and then we we like help them. And then after like they ask to sign an NDA or like some contract, then we discover that it's like some enterprise using the Cosmos SDK. So there's definitely been a wide range of users that have been adopting the Cosmos SDK. I think it's also like Go. The language has like become this. Uh, I might get some ridicule for it, but it's kind of like Java-esque in the enterprise world um, that people are willing to adopt Go in. Um, nowadays in the larger enterprise world and so since we're written in go and it's not like too complicated to write um then and it's fairly easy to understand because it is somewhat opinionated right now then people are like okay i can come and do this and i know it works but i mean i have also so like in the past um, when i was in the SDK, i spent more time playing around with different frameworks so I have built a few things with Substrate, um, participated in a lot of uh, Solana and Nier hackathons, um, been keeping up with the OP stack and Arbitrum, and recently been um, reading up on the Hyper SDK and Avalanche world. So it is, um, for me, it's like I'm not like a Cosmos maxi. Um, according to Sunny, everyone in Cosmos is like a Bitcoin maxi at heart. Um, so it's like we're just lovers of of tech and we just like to see what other people are doing and like how they're doing it, but also learn from each other. I think um in this space and open source entirely, like it's an amazing place to like learn from others and be able to grow um and really reshape what you're thinking about. And so been keeping up with all those things and um seeing the directions they are going and how that can influence SDK. And then also um with some of the teams we also do talk. On a regular basis and so we we throw ideas at each other to try and challenge what we can do with our frameworks
0: yeah i think one of the core like i guess always like selling points of cosmos in general right is, is ibc and sort of the promise to be able to bridge like without having to have some like sort of multi-sig bridge and, and just doing it like natively sort of more or less in inside the between the protocols and I guess that's also where I at least see like some of these other frameworks that don't have IBC sort of maybe struggling or like trying to do some different approaches. Is is that like correct in your sense? Or can you explain a little bit how IBC fits in the Cosmos SDK space and maybe like how even other frameworks or how are they approaching interproper- interoperability? And if that's, if that is like one of the unique things in Cosmos or if other frameworks can also adopt ibc and and kind of the current state in your opinion
1: yeah definitely i think ibc um has a lot more potential than only cosmos and i think the cosmos sdk is enticing for a lot of users because it's just like hey like i can launch a chain and immediately get access to other chains they don't have to launch um a module or a smart contract on my chain i don't have to do these partnerships it just becomes trustless and i can just launch it um day one and like the ecosystem in cosmos to relayer ecosystems very willing to just run relayers right now um there is there is like fees being worked out um in protocol fees for them but um the, the growth of ibc has really helped shape cosmos and the users of cosmos definitely other frameworks it's interesting to see so at the core, IBC is more, it's a library as well. Um, and it's like, you can really compose different clients. And so when we look at IBC today, everyone's like, oh, this is a Cosmosis thing. Um, but at the end of the day, it, the implementation within IBC Go is a Tendermint-like client um, verificate, verifier. And so if you were to, well, this is only a single client. You can have different clients for Babe, Grandpa hotshot all all these different consensus protocols um that and also that once you get out of consensus protocols you can have different like you can have fraud proof clients you can have validity proof clients that like ibc now can work within these different ecosystems and this has been like a thing that's gaining adoption within the ibc teams and so they are working on like expanding it and i always see it benefiting the cosmos sdk even more because all of a sudden like if you can communicate um, trustlessly and establish connections between rollups a lot easier than hey we need to go get a bridging protocol to come in and um, deploy on us we have to go do BD we have to go do a partnership we have to do all this stuff to oh like I can connect to base day one and not have to worry about anything I can do like interchain accounts with base I can do interchain accounts with um, the uh, Optimism Rollup, roll up or with Zora or with all these other things, then it's all of a sudden a a huge game changer where people were like, okay, in order for me to find product market fit, I need to build something that also uses all these other protocols. And up until now, it's been pretty siloed in like how to get that adoption.
2: So yeah, let's 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 see how kind of like Cosmos SDK compares to these other frameworks that you've experimented with. So that they do like Substrate. Maybe we can start with Substrate. Yeah, what are the big differences between Cosmos SDK and,
1: and Substrate? Well, f- first of all, it's written in Rust first go, and uh, I, I love to say that like blockchain people just love Rust um, over over anything. And so, um, but Substrate is like the I'd say it's very abstracted, and the API surface is very large. Um, it's an amazing product, and like as we've seen, like Avail is written in, is written using Substrate. Um, they were able to really accelerate um, their development cycle, and then we have um, the Starknet sequencer, Madara, um, from the Lambda class people, and they're using Substrate as well. Um, and so it's very um, useful in what you can do. I think it's like as you go down the stack, it becomes more and more complicated on how to swap out certain functionality, and then also substrate now has this direction that they're kind of going in a more direction of WASM instead of native, and I think like the that is like a really good direction because you can have like more sw- uh, swappable things on the fly. But the downside is the user base kind of becomes limited because now the user base has to do everything within the Wasm VM instead of doing it within native um, Rust code. The writing and like how you write a a substrate, they call it a a palette or a frame, I believe, um, has progressed a lot over the years. And for me, many times, it's like if you're writing a new Rust SDK for rollups or chains, it's like it's very hard to compete with substrate just because it's it has so much functionality already there that like if you were to try it then you're always going to be um at least a year behind substrate um so substrate was substrate's been really good um salon and Nier are like there i was playing around with salon in the early days um it was a bit of a struggle to write uh contracts in the early days now it's become a lot better but um at the same time it's like you're you're developing a smart contract over a um or an application-specific chain or rollup, so it is a different world. Same thing with near. Near's UX is they did, they did a lot of focus on it, so it has been only getting better and quite simple to understand. But now it's like now when we dive into like what's going on in the rollup space, I don't, it, It's all Solidity, so like there isn't really a comparison. It's just like everyone just uses Solidity, so it's like if you write a Solidity contract in one place, you can kind of carry it over to. 10, 15 dif- different other places just because it's all the same thing.
0: Right. So even these frameworks, like for OP stack or something, they are they are written in Solidity.
1: Like o- OP stacks, like written in Go. Um, and I think Arbitrum's um, stuff is written in Rust, but they have like a, they call them Wavum. But it's like you end up deploying your code as a um, smart contract. Now you can do pre compiles. Um, with OP stack I believe you can write them in different languages so here it's like you're using go versus rust again but you're using a lot less of that code um, of that language you're kind of like defaulting always to rust because it's you launch the OP you launch the rollup and it may be you or someone else running the the rollup and it's usually a centralized sequencer and then posting um, data but you don't have to worry about any of that core, low-level low, le- low level stuff, it's all you really care about, This solidity.
0: I guess actually something that I wanted to ask is also around like, you know, I guess a lot of the people are now building infra again, we're in the bear market, there's not that many applications there is, liquidity on Ethereum which probably explains also why a lot of things are focused around Ethereum in general. Now I guess all these SDKs sort of also don't don't have really like a business model, right? Now, um, I guess there has been this struggle in Cosmos for the longest time since it was very designed very in this modular way, where essentially like Adam, some people were even questioning what's the value accrual for Adam if there's like not the applications there, right? And then sort of ICS came along to kind of solve it a bit um, to basically. Go back to more this model where, like the core chain, like lends the security and can through that generate value for the core the f- token. Now, you know how does that interact with the SDK and what's like sort of your view of how this future plays out? Like, what's the role of the SDK in 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 this like sort of token world and and value accrual?
1: So it, it, it's like you definitely bring up a good point where the the cycle of like value accrual in that question is coming a lot faster in these other ecosystems. And it's like, okay, now like everyone's launching a roll up with these different stacks. Um, and maybe one of this maybe these stacks kind of like Optimism and Arbitrum have their own like roll up or chain. Now, how does the value accrual come back to their token? Um, like Ethereum is a bit like, pushing that like oh a roll up is technically uh a a definition of a roll up is something that burns eth and so in that world it's like how if if you shift away from like burning eth then all of a sudden like what is the value of coral um then how do you like stay aligned with ethereum um in cosmos yeah it's it's definitely been a hard and it's definitely hard being at the um, at the core layer just because you kind of have to always ask this question and working closely with the ICF they're also um, asking this question and like informal us IBC team and many other teams are always kind of like thinking like how can we um, get funding from other teams as well because like the ICF funding won't last forever and so it is a hard question and I don't think we have a clear answer right now other than like oh let's go to community pools and like um seek funding there but i don't think that's like a end-all be-all solution it's definitely like we can't change the licensing the interesting thing about cosmos is um if you contribute to many other ecosystems as a contributor you have to like sign a a cla like sign your contribution over to the company operating or uh, facilitating the maintenance of the project in cosmos um, it's actually all developers own their own um, contributions, and so uh, we can't necessarily change the license of code because we don't own all the code, and or like um, us, the maintenance team, and so on don't own all the code. It's the it's the code owned by the ecosystem by the contributors, and so that makes it even a bit harder because it's like if you want to shift the license, then all of a sudden you need to seek approval from everyone who contributed over the years, and it becomes like a larger issue. With the rollup space, it is interesting seeing, in like a, in Paris at ECC, people are already talking about like the fragmentation problem that's um, that they may have seen Cosmos and other ecosystems run into. That okay, now you have all these chains interconnected, but now you have USDC issued on all these different chains, and now how do you like um, interact and you get this fragmentation of liquidity, fragmentation of users. Um, How do you bring that all together into like a single solid, um, like, let's say, front page for new users instead of having to go search across like fifty different uh, front ends? And it's it's interesting to see that like that conversation is coming up earlier, and it's going to be interesting to see what's come up. But at least in Cosmos right now, um, there is definitely a big push to try and align all these different apps, kind of create an app store. Um, But I think and. And past that, uh, past the App Store, there's also a lot of things that are like IBC that users are trying to make seamless. So like Skip is making it that you can unwind tokens with IBC. You can swap tokens. You don't have to have, to- have, to have gas on this other chain that you want to do the swap or something like that. Um, and that it just works out of the box. And these sort of UX wins is what's going to be really beneficial to end users because now all of a sudden, when you go to a new chain, you have to have their gas token, and they in order to do that functionality. But now it's like, hey, I want to swap X for Y. Um, I don't care what chain or what liquidity pool or what decks you go through; it just works. And it's kind of going in that direction. So there's going to be a lot of these aggregators um, that start popping up in Cosmos and I think in the wider blockchain ecosystem. Squid is also a good example that it just like users interact with that and they, the user, end user doesn't know where the funds are really coming from. They display it, but probably like the pro user cares, but the, end, the normal retail user most likely just doesn't care. They just want something to be received when they send something out.
2: Marco, it, it seems like, like Cosmos SDK is kind of one of the most mature stacks to build an application spe- application-specific blockchain, and then you have all of these VMs also working on it, right? So the EVM specifically, but Wasm, Agoric, VM, all of them are working. Why is it that a project like Optimism needed to build their own SDK or like own blockchain development framework and why could they not borrow the Cosmos SDK itself for that purpose? Is there something in the Ethereum ecosystem where compatibility with the designs of L2 bridges means that you need to develop something on their own or could actually like the Cosmos SDK stack be used to build L2s in the Ethereum ecosystem?
1: So, so I think like I mean there's multiple answers and there's definitely a lot of people that when you talk to will give you a different answer I do think that Cosmos SDK, like in its current form or the form that it was when um, Optimism decided to build out the OP stack, uh, what was maybe not fitting their use case. And maybe it was like too cumbersome to build um, with the SDK. They needed to modify too much to the point where it's just like, okay, we just might as well like build their own since it's kind of like What that's what we would be doing anyways. Um, And secondly, I think like, uh, I believe the OP stack started from like a fork of geth and now with like the bedrock upgrade, now it's like their own thing. So they kind of like shifted from a fork of geth to now bedrock um, and became their own thing. So it was a a clearer path for them to do that. We hope in the future that like uh, users, uh, so right now everyone's kind of like on the OP stack and it's kind of like the the VC buzzword um, to like be building on the OP stack. Um, and that's like a whole whole different conversation about like pitching yourself as a builder on a stack. But we hope that like in the future with a lot of these refactors, with uh, partnering with teams like Volkit and Dimension, that when you go to build a rollup, now all of a sudden it's not anymore more like, oh, I want to, uh, I'm going to build the OP stack because that's like what everyone else is doing. It's like, okay, now you really ask like, what functionality do I want and what functionality do these all these things offer? In that comparison, like, to a certain level, there will be like the Cosmos SDK. Like there are websites already popping up on uh, these like RAS website, the rollup as a service that is like you can deploy a dimension rollup that uses the Cosmos SDK under the hood. Um, and this this becomes harder and harder because it's uh, so like dimension and rollkit that was going to be like deploy a rollkit or like uh, if you're using, if you want to use Polaris from Bear Chain, like de- deploy a Polaris rollup. Um, but on the back end, you're most likely using the Cosmos SDK. And so it's like, we want the, so it's like the Cosmos SDK's goal, um, is somewhat to transcend Cosmos that it's like, Hey, like if you're using this framework or using this, uh, virtual machine, you don't necessarily know you're using the Cosmos SDK and it's just kind of like there for you. Um, we hope it goes in that direction and we're really pushing to go in that direction, but I do think it, it was a good choice by Optimism to develop their own stack, um, because of how the sdk was back when they made the decision yeah the infrastructure like everyone's kind of uh it's very easy to raise money and then in blockchain um i'm not like i don't mean to like call anyone out because it's like cosmos is the same way and like everyone is the same way that we just love rebuilding uh rebuilding the wheel and so instead of like kind of like using something out there it's like oh like we can do it ourselves better and then it's like you'll lose a year developing it um and it's kind of like been the conundrum that everyone kind of ends up in and then we have other users who are using comet and when i talk to them about the cosmos sdk they're like a year into building their state machine and they're like yeah we should have just used the cosmos sdk because it is very hard to build your own state machine
0: right i I definitely think that is sort of the case if you just look at the cycle and then how how it plays out and how the new bus comes along right now again i think but maybe, you know, out of all of this experimentation, right, I guess that's sort of the, the thing, too, that the best emerges, right? There's also, like, some competition and we, with a better infrastructure to actually build applications that users use when when they come. So, I guess that's the hope. I do think, maybe because we also had the Hyper SDK uh, Patrick on from Ava Labs, maybe you can, can you, like, explain? I, because I think his, or well, I guess their approach is much, it's very, like, performance-focused, right? It's kind of, like, he's building this thing to, like, really be super like performant versus and, and I, I guess maybe just your views of, of what they're building and how, how that maybe works in a like IBC Cosmos SDK world can they interoperate somehow or how's your
1: yeah I think um, I mean Hyper SDK is like very cleanly written and like hats off to Patrick and that team it is very performant it, I do think it's like a definitely a different approach to users and I also think their license has like some weird like need to use, need to build on HABA to be able to use it or something like that. Um, I, I, thought, I thought I read that a, a couple weeks ago. The SDK is like, so the early days of SDK was always like on um, liveness and safety. Um, and this has kind of been the cornerstone of like uh, Tendermint and now Comet and also uh, IPC. And so it's always been safety and liveness and performance hasn't been the highest kind of like priority for the cosmos sdk and the the interchain stack as developers now this is all shifting so it's like we do feel comfortable with the amount of safety and liveness that we have achieved within all these different layers in the stack and now it's like now we're rewriting or refactoring levels to become extremely performant and so we are moving in that direction i do think that like there is a team that's like building on ava and that's uh integrating ibc and to kind of like the entry point into avalanche um so there is like exciting stuff going on that like ibc is going beyond um but i do think within their world um like they they would kind of need avalanche they would kind of need ibc to like go out of avalanche trustlessly without a multi sig bridge but within like their subnets There not really a need for ibc because they have their own communication protocol that fits their needs um and so it's really ibc like we kind of in the early days it was oh like we have blockchains but now all these blockchains are silos we need a bridging protocol and then now we have uh, multi-sig bridges between ecosystems and then we have trustless bridging within ecosystems and now the question is like how do we get trustless bridging between ecosystems
0: yeah, to me, it does seem that, you know, because everyone else, it seems like from out, from some observations, I guess that pushing more their stack and like trying to blend the token in, even these licenses, what you mentioned, Mark, where I guess the Cosmos approach is the most friendly to like outside contributors and sort of adoption. But I guess there's still pressure from all these investors and from value accrual to maybe like not use that. So, yeah, I do think maybe this is going <laughs> to remain an issue
1: for a long, long time. People in Cosmos and Polkadot ecosystem, like like three years ago, like you could raise money saying you built on Polkadot. Like right? two years ago, you could say you could raise money saying you're building off the Cosmos, building in Cosmos. Now you can raise money saying you're building off the OP Stack or something. Next year it could be something else, and the year after that it's something else. And the thing that always comes back to the team that sold as we are building on X Stack. Now the VCs come back and say, hey, why are you still building on that stack? Why don't you go to this other stack? And it's just becoming more and more like, hey, like um, people, like uh, a friend of mine got asked the same question from a VC, like, hey, like, why are you still on poker?' And it's just kind of like, the stack doesn't necessarily matter. It's like asking, like, why is the backend written on Express instead of in Node.js instead of Rust? It's like, it doesn't matter as long as there's a product that people are using on the front end
2: one of the big differences between the ethereum uh, ethereum ecosystem and the cosmos ecosystem is in the ethereum ecosystem like one can imagine like the the roadmap of having all of these rollups or l2s as being focused on developing a new form of bridging technology meaning that um the idea is that if i am uh, i'm on ethereum mainnet and if I bridge some tokens onto a an L2 or a rollup, if some misbehavior happens on the rollup, I can go to back to the Ethereum mainnet, presumably submit some kind of fraud proofs. Although that functionality is not live on many of the uh, L2s today, but the ultimate vision is I should be able to. Um, present a fraud proof and get my Ether or my ERC twenty tokens back on the Ethereum mainnet. And one can really imagine this as okay, this is this is a form of bridging technology. It's it's a bridge with kind of like fraud proofs on on one side, but you could also imagine that same technology being like fraud proofs on other side. Meaning, if I, my tokens originated on the rollup, if I took them to to Ethereum, and then there was a big uh, hack of the Ethereum network itself, then I should be able to go back to the rollup and claim my assets back by submitting the fraud proofs, the, uh, the proofs of the fraud on Ethereum back on the rollup. So you can think of like really the centerpiece of Ethereum's ecosystem roadmap is bridges should be built in that particular way. And it is really opinionated on like that being the correct way to build bridges. The Cosmos ecosystem where bridges are kind of like built differently where it's actually pretty much the same functionality except that the focus is not there on fraud proofs and being able to reclaim your assets if there's Byzantine behavior on the other side. So meaning if there's two chains, A and B, if I take my assets from A to B in the Cosmos ecosystem and there's a major attack on chain B, then I necessarily don't have out-of-the-box technology to go back to chain A, present some kind of fraud proof and get my assets back. It is assumed that if that case happens, well, the community will will figure it out. The software developers will figure it out and get the assets back and in the right hands. Like, why, why do you think this difference exists and why doesn't the Cosmos ecosystem also invest in like fraud proof technology
1: you you could say that social consensus is more the ethereum way than automating it um but um no i i do think so uh the celestia team worked very hard to get like fraud groups working within the SDK, like um uh single round fraud groups and we are working on like upstreaming it and like uh working and allowing teams to use it um and so there will be like better functionality out there to use fraud proofs. Um, we are experimenting with different like, commitment structures to do different things um, to make it more efficient. And or we're going to start researching in the, in the fall and leading into the next year um, around validity proofs and how we can really play around with um, well, validity proofs and also like ZK technology within the Cosmos SDK just because the Cosmos ecosystem has somewhat been lacking in that. Um, in that space, um, I, I'd say it's just it's just an area that hasn't been quite explored that drastically yet, but there's becoming there's more and more discussions coming up, and so there, uh, the Cosmos Hub is talking about doing like more of a social consensus fraud proof until fraud proofs are like kind of proven to work in the SDK, in the Cosmos SDK, and then there's uh, Osmosis recently announced that they will be working with Celestia. And using fraud proofs for mesh security related things, and so there is a, an adoption of fraud proofs and different um, different types of, fru- of, of proofs being adopted in the Cosmos ecosystem. But I, I will say that we are lagging a bit compared to. I mean, not necessarily because there, like you said, there are some rollups that uh, don't have fraud proofs yet, um, and they're still working on it. And so there is a world that there is a you could say that like we are exploring it the same way other teams are exploring it as well
0: yeah i guess it might just not be as central to the narrative and like i guess for celestia maybe more so than other Cosmos but i guess in ethereum you have to like highlight that you're doing this to keep the ethereum community like on your side in a way
1: yeah to, to make people happy and so it, it's been talked about here and there in, in cosmos but yeah it's kind of like oh like someone talks about it brings it up we talked to teams um, about it, Dimension, um, Osmosis announced, Celestia, and so on, and different ways to like design um, with roll kits in mind. And with, uh, I think it's Diamond um, from Dimension in mind, like how to do it with, with fraud proofs. And so there was that discussion going on, it's just not um, front and center.
0: Right. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think we're like hitting the hour, marks is a very good. Uh, discussion I really hope people learned a lot about like um, you know, blockchain specific frameworks from, from the OG himself and like probably one of the most knowledgeable people across the ecosystem so really uh, exciting to hear from you and and being able to hear like the lessons you've learned over the years I think maybe um, to wrap it up we can talk a little bit about you know what where can people get involved with the Cosmos SDK uh, how How do you get in touch with team? How do you build on the Cosmos SDK?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there's multiple ways. And if you're a new project um, and not only need technical help, there is the Interchain Builders program. And it's not limited to blockchains. Like if you're doing a roll-up using any part of the Interchain stack, like you could only be using IBC, you could be using um, Comet, RollKit, the Cosmos SDK, Cosmos, and the list really goes on. If you need help with um, anything outside of the tech, you can definitely um, go to the Energy and Builders program. And then for tech-wise, really our Discord and our GitHub discussion board. So if you go to the Cosmos um, GitHub organization, there's a community discussion board where we're uh, constantly answering questions about the Cosmos SDK, how to build with it. Um, And there's tutorials. um, They're being updated for the upcoming release. Um, The ecosystem's really excited about that. There's a lot of fixes, a lot of deletion of code for writing modules and uh, interacting with VMs. And so the UX is only getting better.
0: Awesome, Marco. Thanks so much for coming
1: on to Epicenter. And yeah, have a great week. Likewise, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode. We release new episodes every week. You can find and subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.